0: What's going on, y'all? Scott Wiggins here again, podcast episode three. Last episode we left off, uh, we talked about the beginnings, how I got started in playing music, and all the things that led to me trying to start a band and where I lived in the beginnings. We talked about me playing for the Colgate Country Showdown um, in San Antonio, beating Dave Finley, who's on The Voice right now in a karaoke contest, and Dave was pissed off at me, or not at me, probably that he lost, but we made up and uh, started playing a Monday night acoustic show together for my very first gig and how he helped me learn a whole bunch of stuff. So if you want to hear those kind of stories, go back and listen to episode two. And today, I'm going to talk about pretty much our first studio album, like where it had 10 tracks. I wanted to show y'all and showcase uh, our first demo. I talked about that on the last episode. Um, but we can't, we only have like a CD that's super scratched. My drummer, old drummer John Diaz, uh, he lives down in the Flower Bluff area, Corpus Christi. And he says he has it on a, on a CD, but it only plays in his truck, so he doesn't really know how to get it onto the internet or the computer and send to me because he's lazy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he's just not very tech savvy. But I'll, I'll try to do that later on and play some our first demo songs where we didn't even really have a, uh, a, a real lead guitar player or know what the hell we were doing. We had Ricky Diaz, who was a great rhythm player for us. And uh, we'll get to that in another podcast. But our first real 10-song album where we had 10 songs that we were very proud of that we, we rehearsed. Uh, but let me backtrack. I was in San Antonio. And last episode, we talked about how John, our drummer, had bought his drum set with his student loan money, I think for like six, $700, and I had a guitar, and we, were in, uh, we would drive back and forth to Pleasanton in San Antonio, and we would rehearse in Angela Chapa's garage slash side house, and, uh, but then one day, John wanted to move to Corpus Christi, Texas, because we had some buddies going down there, and I was like, dude, you're breaking up the band, man. We didn't even have a band. We hadn't played any shows really, but I didn't like the job I had in in corp. I mean in uh, San Antonio. John was leaving. Um, I wanted to be with my other friends as well as John down in Corpus, and so the path led us down to Corpus Christi, Texas. And I believe two thousand three or two thousand four. I quit my job. I was assistant manager at an apartment complex called Mavet Creek. Villas right across from UTSA. I did that for two years, and it was a cool job. But it was time to move on. And the week I quit, our friend Brant Smith uh, and his stepdad, his stepdad ran a, like a sound company, and they were running sound for Leroy Parnell down in I think Ingleside, kind of down my Corpus Christi area. And John and I went down there to help them run sound. So I quit my job. My mom was mad. But I was going to Corpus, and there's a car horn going off in the distance, so if you can hear that, I'm sorry. But I quit my job, new adventure, and the first thing we did was go down and help Brant Smith and his stepdad run sound for Leroy Parnell. Parnell. If you don't know who Leroy Parnell is, he's a country legend, great guitar player, Um, had some, I think some number one hits back in the 80s and 90s, somewhere around there. Here's one of his biggest hits, What Kind of Fool Do You Think I Am? But it was cool and we were side stage and learning just watching the show and I was hitting on this pretty young thing and I thought it was a family member of Laura Parnell's maybe his daughter because she was way younger than him and it turns out it was his girlfriend so good for him because she was like 20 years younger than him but I think he saw me kind of flirting with her and so he kind of gave me the cold shoulder When he got off stage, I didn't know, man. I just saw a pretty girl, and I was like 22, 21. So, I talked to her. I hit on her. I don't remember what was said or what happened, but she was nice, but he wasn't, and I wouldn't have been either to a little young punk like me. But John and I, I think we got up there, and uh, maybe just me, Acoustic, and I sang a song in front of this small crowd, and uh, it was a good old time. But moving down to Corpus is where our real band started so i think the first week or two we went down to the this big old beach party and uh my goal was i was supposed to go down there for college but i always knew in the back of my head i was going down there to start a band and we had to find band members so we were just asking around people we knew if they knew guitar players and all of a sudden i think john diaz knew ricky diaz who was two or three years younger than us i didn't really hang out with ricky in high school didn't i was older but we met Ricky on at that beach party. I think it was called the Bowl or something down there, in, down there on uh, South uh, Padre Island—not South Padre, but Padre Island, um, Mustang Island area—and huge party, huge beach party. And that night, and this literally like the first week or two we were in Corpus, and uh, so things were moving kind of fast. And Ricky said, "Yeah, I play guitar." I was like, "All right, I—I I didn't." I was just latching on to whoever said they could play an instrument. I wanted to start a band so bad. And I asked if he knew any bass players. And he's like, yeah, a guy at my dorm does. So we, I think it was probably 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, we jumped in Ricky's single-cab green, uh, I can't remember, I think it was a Toyota maybe, just a tiny little single-cab green truck. And uh, he probably had too much to drink. And we drove back to the dorms at Texas A&M. University of Corpus Christi, and we met who would become our bass player, Ryan Fadako, and we just jammed in their dorm room that night. So right away, we had a four-piece band. We had a drummer, me, a Ricky on guitar, Ryan on bass. And we, John and I, had moved into an apartment that was three bedrooms, but I believe there was about seven dudes living in that apartment. So you can imagine, seven college young dudes who like to party and are in a "quote unquote" band now. What kind of shenanigans we got into? But we all had lots of friends. We were all social guys, and we liked to party. So there was probably no less than ten to twelve people in that apartment comp- in that apartment building at all times. Late nights. Whew. Lots of fun times, wouldn't change it for the world. But we needed to practice. So we started playing in the clubhouse. Or oh, No, 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 no. We started playing in the apartment. So we had drums, amps, all kinds of stuff. I had a small little tiny PA in the apartment. And we had upstairs neighbors, and to the left of us, or right of us, depending on what you're looking at, we had other neighbors. So we got complaints really fast, but... Whoever was running the office of that apartment complex at the time was badass because they said, look, you can't be playing in the apartment, but you can have the keys to our clubhouse, which is right by the pool, which wasn't far from our apartment, anytime you want. And we're like, what? So we went and got the keys and we started setting up shop in this clubhouse that was just a big room, tile, nothing really in there, no tables really. I think there was a couple of tables in the back, but just loud no good. It wasn't good acoustics drums in there. Everything was just super loud. And then there was a pool outside and some, some of the buildings circled the the clubhouse, but we weren't directly in an apartment building. So we started practicing there two, three times a week. I think Tuesdays and Thursdays for sure. And just started playing over, over and over and over again for like months. And, uh, I think I, I, I was scared, I don't know, we, just weren't, we weren't booking any shows, we were just trying to get the feel of being in a band, I n- had never been in a real band, I'm sure we were horrible at first, and we just kept playing and playing and playing and playing. None of us were great musicians, but by the end of it, we sounded good together. So, we got our first gig at the Blue Ghost, I believe. The Blue Ghost is the reference to the Lexington ship they have out in the water, they called it the Blue Ghost in, 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 the, in the war. I can't remember. War, World War II, maybe? But it was called the Blue Ghost. And there was this little bar, dive bar, right next to the ship on the beach called the Blue Ghost. And they used to have this band called Sun Salutation there. It was this hippie, not hippie, but like beach bum, reggae, slash rock, all kinds of grooves, beach music, stoner music. And it was awesome. And we would go watch them there, and so we asked if we could play there. And uh, we started playing there. And our first show, we were freaking pumped. We had never been booked for anything. Um, We probably knew maybe ten songs completely, and we had to play for a few hours. So that didn't last long, those ten songs. We had to repeat them over and over again. (laughs) But we started playing there. Uh the bar was so relaxed. I dudes were passing joints around or drinking. Some of us were underage. Um, but it was such a dive bar on the beach. There was really no police patrolling there and no one, just no one gave a shit. And so we were just having fun. We had that small built in crowd. Uh, there was some longtime fans of ours that actually started working, that were working at a, a restaurant down the same road that this was on. They would come see us and we, we became friends and we're still friends to this day. And, uh, They started coming to watch us, and then we slowly just, all our friends from college and all the people we'd party with, started coming to these Blue Ghost shows. And uh, we just had a good time, learned how to to play in a band, learned how to sing a little bit, put together songs, and our first true lead guitar player, Jason Fajardo, he came to the Blue Ghost, I guess, he was a beach guy, um, grew up in that area. And he came, I think he approached us one night and he just said, hey, I know how to play guitar, would love to jam. And so we had him over to rehearsal one day and that became our lead guitar player. And we had a band, y'all. We had a five-piece band. We were rocking. So it came time where we had a handful of songs that we needed to put down on a CD. And I borrowed money from my dad and Jason, our new guitar player, had been taught guitar by this very awesome guitar player. I forget his name, but he was in a Christian rock band. And he had a home studio out of his house in the Woodlands in Houston, Texas. So we had an inn with him, and I think for like, I don't know, 500 to to $1,000. I can't remember what it was, somewhere around there. That's what we borrowed from my dad. But he helped fund this first CD, this first album. And so in one weekend, for two days, we drove up to the woodlands and started recording our first CD called Only See. Now, the first two days of that recording, I was sick. I got sicker than a dog, allergies, I started losing my voice, and uh, I couldn't sing the final tracks, but I could at least do a guide track a vocal and guitar guide, guide track. So what what I would do to start each song out was we'd find out what tempo we would want it at, and I'd have a click track. So it, so it would be a metronome, and I would strum in time with that, and sing what I could, whatever I could sing, just so the John, our drummer, could end up laying his drums down to my acoustic vocal track, and that's how a lot of bands record. You can either record full band where you're all. In the same room or different rooms, in like booths or whatever, and you all have headphones on. You all play at the same time, which is awesome. Or you can layer it, like if you watch uh, one of the last Foo Fighters documentaries of them recording an album, they did a bunch of layering where you get like like a guide track, like I'm talking about, and then you get the drums in, and then once the drums are done, then you get the bass guitar to come in, and he plays to the guide track with the vocal, acoustic or whatever, and drums. So now you have. Drums, acoustic, vocal, bass, and then you get the guitars coming in and he's playing by himself to those tracks While the other guys take a break and so you just layer the song. So that's the way we did it in this home studio and We recorded 10 songs. I'm gonna preview each one here in a second and tell you about them But that's the way we did it And I think I had to schedule in like two to three weeks later I just went up back to the studio when I got my voice back and I sang 10 songs and some harmonies in one day. Now, that's crazy. I sang all 10 songs, multiple takes each song, and some harmonies in one day, because that's the only time we had, and that's all the money we had. So if you're listening to Only C, whew, that, was a, that was hard work vocally, because usually you sing one or two songs a day, and you're done. Um, but we did it all in one day. So the first song on the album, and these songs some of these songs are like five minutes long. we We didn't have a producer. it was we didn't have any real concept of arrangement. Um, the guy recording us kind of helped us produce a little bit, but uh, nowadays I try to keep songs to three and a half to four minutes long just in case we go to radio. Um, some of the album versions we might jam out on the end. But typically, your songs on, your ra- on the radio, you hear three and a half minutes four minutes long. And our first song, Country Girl, was like five minutes and 20-something seconds. And we didn't care, man. We were jamming. Has like a freaking four-minute intro. <laughs> but uh, no, it's not that long. But I believe this song, I had met a girl um, who was from California, and she was trying to go to Tennessee to become a country singer or something. I believe that's right. That's a long time ago. But I kind of took that story and I ran with it. And I'll play you the first verse and chorus of that song. Here it goes. Buddy, we would eventually once this album was uh recorded, we would hire a radio promoter, Texas music radio promoter named debbie Green, and she took that song to the top forty, I believe on the Texas music chart, and that was our very first single we ever did, and it was five plus minutes long, which is unheard of. so hey, man, we were pretty proud of that. We played that in the show for many years um. It was fun. It was a good time. That was the start of our radio. Uh, I don't think that was the first time we were on the radio in, like all across Texas, because like, the radio promoter promotes it to all the Texas country stations in Texas. But the first time we were uh, actually on a radio station was in Corpus. Um, now it's called the Badlands. I think it was still called the Badlands back then. I'm not sure, but it was the same people. Pretty much who ran it. And we had a girl that we partied with. And I uh, can't remember her name. She was a redhead. But she did a lot of cocaine. Cause she always had this little white ring around her nose. <laughs> like, oh, what have you been doing, huh? But anyways, she was cool. She came to our show. She brought people to, people to our shows. And she brought a good friend of ours, Colton Cruiser. Um, don't know what he's doing now. But back then, he worked for that station as a young man. And... He was dating her or sleeping with her. Who knows? But the only way he would come to our show if if a girl he was sleeping with had made him come to our shows. We were playing some shitty dive bar somewhere else. And uh, I think it was a horrible bar. Like, biker, cutthroat, watch what you're doing bar. But we played everywhere and anywhere we could in Corpus. And she brought Colton to that show. And he liked us. And he put one of our songs on the radio And we became local stars. I'm kidding, but local stars are our friends. And uh, the first song that he played on the radio, I believe, was Mexico, which is one of our most requested songs to this day. And this song uh, I wrote with my first guitar player, Jason Fajardo. I believe he just had a couple of chord progressions, or maybe I don't remember who had the chord progressions, but he was like, man, let's write a song. like, Screw you, I'll be in Mexico. I was like, okay. Whatever, um, I think he had a couple lines of the chorus, and then I took it back to my room as I would always do, um, writes uh, by myself. Now I like doing co-writes. I still write a lot of songs about myself, but mainly back then I wrote by myself. Um, and I remember, I remember this one sitting in my bedroom at the foot of my bed, maybe leaning on the sitting on the ground leaning against my bed, and I, I do remember this one. And I just took those chords and that melody, and I wrote the verses and the rest of the chorus, and then we I brought it to the guys next practice, and we turn it into what you hear that goes like this. be in mexico we had people screaming screaming for that song last weekend at a show at the poor house in new braunfels texas man so appreciate all the love that y'all show us for this song for that song so i'm glad we finished it and wrote it um sometimes during the chorus when we're at like fairs and stuff i have to watch my mouth because it says shit like four times or yeah at least four or five times in the in the chorus and uh I can't remember if we released that. Yeah, we did release that to radio, and we had to like edit the sh- out of it. That that came out funny, no pun intended. But we had to edit the actual word sh- shit out of it, and uh, people were like, "Oh my god!" Like whatever, it's fun. Who cares? But that's how Mexico got started. That's how all these songs got started in the bedroom, random melodies, guitars, going back to practice in that clubhouse, and. Getting them worked out with the band into the masterpieces you hear today. Ha! Anyways, uh, remember the song "Lozenges" that my uh, good Freddy, good buddy uh, Jimmy Andrews talked about? It was the melody that I had back in San Antonio when I lived at the apartment complex, and he ate a lot of lozenges, and so I called it "Lozenges." But now it turned into your "You Are the One." You're the one, and we put it on the first CD. It goes like this. That was written probably about a girl that I was dating at the time. Young love. The next song is called Let Him Go. Now I loosely base this off of my old high school teacher, Christy Livingston, and what she was going through in her life. Um, always had a crush on her when I was younger. She was the hot English... English? Can't remember what you taught, Christy. History? English. It was English. Anyways... We all had a crush on you, if you're wondering. But she was going through some shit, and I kind of took the story and made a song. As most songs are, they're probably not all true, every word, but you take the idea and you run with it, kind of like movies. But this one's called Let Him Go.
1: She sits alone at a table, a smoking room while the band plays. The men judge and the label But it doesn't faze her No, no, no The music runs through her veins Like a drug it lights her up Her cocaine eyes dance to the beat of the bass drum Yeah, yeah, yeah All she wants for tonight his cheating heart of mine Knock a few back beneath her bottom lines Yeah, yeah, yeah She didn't ask for a perfect life Just a man to treat her right Now he's gone and she's said
0: Yeah, so that's what that song was about. And it says cocaine eyes in the first verse. She didn't do cocaine, guys. I made that part up. See? what I get to do when you write songs. I can do what I want, bitches. Anyways, uh, let's see here. What's the next song? We've done Country Girl, You're the One, Only See. No, we haven't done Only See. Let Him Go, Mexico. Only See is the title track of the album... And a lot of my songs are just either heartbroken or I'm in love. Now they're not all true. It's not like I have a girlfriend every time I write the song, or I broke up with a girlfriend every time I write the song. Some of, them, some of them are true, but I believe this one was probably about loosely based on a girl I was dating. But uh, but it's just a song, guys. This is only see.
1: But tomorrow I'll be here I've seen the rain, I've seen the sun I've seen it all I take it as a
0: Let me see. Next song I'm going to showcase is one called Slow Suicide. Now, I've dealt with some alcohol problems not me personally, but my family member members and had a broken home because of it. Um and I wrote this song about how drinking heavily and becoming an alcoholic is kind of like Your Slow Suicide. And it's a very close song. It's a very personal song. And I wish it wasn't so. I wish I didn't go through the things that made me write this song. And I a lot of things I would change, but it is what it is. But one cool thing about this song is that a friend of, I call her my stepmother, Susan, she was a teacher, and one of her teacher friends,'m not going to say his name, but he was a cool dude. He would come over to the house, uh, my stepmom's house, and bring his wife and his beautiful daughter over and uh he had apparently alcohol problems I didn't know, and he got fired from his job because of it, all kinds he just very just had a hard time with it. but he told me one day that he pulled over in his car, and this song was the only song or was the reason why he decided not to kill himself. So I think my job there is here is done as a musician, if that's what it does, even if I don't become famous or whatever. Someone tell me that kind of story is pretty badass. Um, I have no idea what these songs will do for people or what they mean to people or what they mean to you, but when someone tells you what it means to them, it's pretty damn cool, guys. And if I could help one person, then it's pretty awesome. I talked about the last episode, listening to my old stuff or even my new stuff. It's I'm on my own worst critic, but uh, I listen to some of my favorite artists, musicians, comics, and they can't stand to hear themselves sing or watch their stand up specials or whatever. It's just weird. I don't know if you, if, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. If unless you're a singer or an artist or whatever, but uh, you always you always think you can do better, which is good. It helps you get better at playing and singing and writing and all that stuff. But I uh, always, thought, always thought this song was kind of like, eh. And then when he told me that, it's like, okay, I need to quit being so critical. And just if the music comes out of me, then just put it out. Who knows what it'll do. This one's called Slow Suicide. And I hope none of y'all have to go through that.
1: Hands on the bottle. Slow suicide. Might as well get a gun and then tonight You suck the life out of every loving hand When will it stop When will you
0: Pretty heavy shit, but it is what it is. The next song is called Can't Do No Wrong. Now, I got to give John Diaz credit, my first drummer. Um, He's the one that introduced me to Texas country. So, back in San Antonio, 2001, 2002, I'd never heard of Pat Green, never never heard of Randy Rogers yet. Um, Those guys are... Pat Green had been on the scene for a while. He was blowing up. Randy Rogers kind of just getting started. But John introduced me to this guy named Pat Green. I was into Gary Allen, like like in the previous episodes I mentioned. Tim McGraw. All the Nashville stuff. The good Nashville stuff. And I just, I didn't, I wasn't around. There wasn't like a huge Texas country scene yet. Just didn't At least not to me. I didn't know about it yet. And John started playing with this guy named Pat Green. He was selling out venues all over Texas and this crazy party attitude. So I got to give him credit. Uh, This song is kind of heavily influenced by his kind of style. You can kind of hear party uh, uplifting style of this song. And I was trying to, I guess, mimic that kind of energy that Pat Green used when he came through the speakers that I heard. And uh, just kinda a, a beat party song. Uh, I can do no wrong. I'm gonna do it my way and life's it's okay, whatever comes my way, it's good. I can do no wrong. That's where this song came from.
1: Hello am I looking for to you? I think it's me. Or well, maybe it's just a little truth and serenity. I'm gonna kick back And drink me a cold beer tonight try to find the answers at the bottom of the bottle But well, I'm gonna keep my spirits high And just keep smiling like there ain't nothing wrong Buy me a little patience and have me a good time I can do
0: I can do no wrong. That was a fun song to play. The next song is called Fade Away. Now, I haven't listened to a lot of these songs in years. Probably, I don't know, seven, eight years. Because I don't play some a lot of these anymore. So listening to them is bringing back, I guess, states of mind I was in. What I was thinking about. Um, I think... In Corp- Corpus, there was a lot of drugs in that town. Um, not, I didn't. I did. I did some drugs. Did some, some weed. I've done some cocaine. Um, I was put on some anxiety pills back in the day that I'm off now. Um, there was a lot of, I guess, the beach culture. Uh brings, near the water, there's always a lot of people on drugs more than usual near the water, like oceans and rivers and stuff, like New Braunfels. There's a a bunch of druggies here if you can go looking for it. I guess there's druggies everywhere, but it just seems like the the beach culture, there's a lot of people I... I, Maybe it's just the age that we were at, young 20s in the party world, the college world. There's a lot of people in pain, I guess. Taking drugs or they're trying to escape something. Um... I wasn't addicted to anything. I mean, we're just social partiers, I I would say. Um, drinking was a staple. But none of us were druggies, I would say. But there was people around me that were. That would come and go through the parties. You, some of them are dead today because of weird things they've done. But I believe this song, Fade Away, is just kind of talking that world. Like, maybe someone's going through some, some shit, and they may be having a hard time but they're not gonna fade away they're gonna get through it so that's what this song is about it's kind of where it was
1: my addictions don't hold the answers i'm looking for it's a long long way between truth and That's beautiful It's gonna take a
0: next song is called Tell Me Why. Now, it's kind of the same thing I was talking about. I'm listening to these songs. I'm like, damn, son. You were in a weird spot. But I was, I guess. No way of hiding it. So, maybe I was down when I wrote those two songs or analyzing that place we were in and the things we were doing. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was depressed completely back then, but I mean, we had a hell of a lot of, a lot of good times, but Maybe coming from the alcoholism in the family that that I was talking about earlier that was fresh. Um, and I think I was going through a pretty bad breakup as well. A good breakup. Needed to happen looking back now. But at the time, if you're young and you're going through a breakup, you're devastated. So you had to write some dark love songs about it, right? Anyways, this next one's called Tell Me Why. Um, this is another song that one guy told me Helped him get through a divorce and uh, helped him get through some hard times. So it's those kind of things that it's like, all right, that served a purpose. This is called Tell Me Why.
1: So tell me-
0: I'm back after spilling coffee all over my keyboard and my audio interface and my, um, mouse, and I hope it doesn't fry up on me and I have to go buy a new one. So, here we are. Um, last song, upbeat song, little two-stepper called Baby It's All Right. All it is is a song about a guy and a girl who's been, been through some probably hard times uh, with some past loves, but... It's not gonna happen with this love Because I'm the man And you're the woman And we're awesome And baby, it's alright It goes like this
1: Baby, it's alright so let yourself love.
0: Freaky Diaz, if you're listening, I think that was your lead guitar debut right there. Killed it. Anyways, that is our 2004 or 2005 first studio album. This is a long time ago, guys. So, like I said, it's weird for me to go back. If you're just now finding this podcast or who I am, um, this is old shit, okay? I'm letting you into uh, a door and a window that I don't really open, but I wanted to share where all the songs came from. Um, the first podcast episode is me breaking down my current music, my 2018 EP called fight inside. The second one starts from the very beginning way back when I was a kid and how I got into music. And now I'm walking in chrono- chronological order through the years of my albums, my music and how we got to where, how I got to where I am right now. And, uh, I hope you enjoy it. If you're if you're a fan, or if you're an old friend, or if you're from school, or however I know you and you enjoy this, I hope you're enjoying it. Um, if you are a fan, uh, please let me know if you like it. Uh, I put it on social media. If you're on my email list, I'll email it to you. Please respond to the emails. Please hit me up on Facebook. Um, if you want to know anything, have any questions in the future, I'm going to debut some some songs that I've written, like probably acoustic versions of new songs, or maybe some acoustic versions of past songs. Um, I might have some guests. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just started a podcast. I really don't have an idea. I'm not really a talk show guy. Um, I'm just going to talk. I'm going to be real, talk shit, um, maybe have some other musical friends on here, maybe get, try to get some bigger guests. Who knows? I don't know. But just to, uh, uh, this is a way for you to look into my life, and I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you enjoy the story of this album. I wish I could recall all the stories in between the late nights parties and stuff like that. It's just, I mean, try to remember stuff 10 to 12 years ago. Um, I'll try to get into it more. If I remember it, I'll talk about it. And if I forget on these chronological order podcasts about stuff that happened during this time or this, this era of the songs, uh, I'll probably mention them on the later podcast. So don't worry. Anyways, hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I uh, I'll see you next time. Peace. Oh, wait. Um, I'm getting ready to launch a merch store, an online store. So if you're looking for tour dates or you want to buy some Scott Wiggins merch, go to www.scottwigginsmusic.com and you can find all our tour dates where we're playing live and you can order some hats and some koozies. And I don't know when you're listening to this, but right now we just have hats and koozies. Um, well, we will. I'm getting ready to launch it in like a week. Um, it's November 20... 8th right now so hopefully by early first week of December we'll have this store launched so go over there and buy you something um hopefully have a lot more shirts and different styles of hats and koozies in the next few months to come so bye thank you